0: From of topic. The coloring contest is back, and now it's been improved thanks to Frank Eck. The contest is simple. Complete one of the pages in any of three mediums. This includes electronic using any of the paint type programs, colored pencil, marker, and or crayon, with one entry counted per medium per person. So each individual can have a total of three entries. There will also be two age groups, age 15 and below, and 16 on up. Links to the Coloring Book pages can be found on our Facebook page or the page for the Coloring Book Contest. Facebook.com forward slash AOTP contest 2017. Electronic entries, including scanned entries, can be sent to us via email, autooftopic at gmail.com. Paper copies can be sent by snail mail to Auto Topic Podcast, P.O. Box 35, Georgetown, Mass., 01833. Note. All hard copies received will not be returned, period. The contest runs through November 30th. The companies and owners groups donating prizes are Mitsubishi Motors North America, Adventure Driven Design, Force Performance, Palladian Trucks, Northeast Mitsubishi 4x4, Mits- Mitsubishi Montero Owners Group USA, Florida Mitsubishi 4x4, and Mitsu Nation. All right, on to the show. Be to make up for his time. No. <laughs> okay. No no no, okay. No, 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 Now it's recording. All right, uh, so
1: now originally, well, welcome to episode 37, take two of yeah. Auto Off Topic. Oh, Andrew hit the record button. Oh my gosh. Yes. But hey, we're only 10 minutes in, so it's not too big of a deal. Yes. Uh, I'm Brad. And I'm Andrew. So like I said, welcome to Auto Off Topic. And our,
0: our guest tonight is Brian Driggs. We'll start over. We'll do the little... Yes. Um, we were talking about um, what we were drinking tonight. We had some nice coffee from Beeline Coffee Company that they sent me. Uh, the classic blend. Uh, you can get them uh, at Beeline Coffee, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, BeelineCoffee.com. You can buy it. Uh, it's really good. I got the beans. Get to grind them up. Yep. Cause we like drink coffee so we can stay awake. Yeah, and we like supporting the, the
1: small company that's also a car enthusiast company. Yes. So and it's kind of a cool combo. I
0: like their line that was drink coffee, build things, have fun. It's right. really cool. It's kind of our life credo. We,
1: uh, Beeline Coffee Company, we promised that Reed was better the first time through it. Andrew didn't hit the record button, but, uh, right. we'll make sure to, to plug in the next couple weeks too. So you can spend through that one. Uh, but yeah, Beeline Coffee Company, look them up online, buy their stuff. It's delicious coffee. If you like coffee, you won't be disappointed. Anyway, we went through, let's, uh, we, okay. We, we asked Brian Driggs, who is yes. our guest this week. Um, quick synopsis. He's a Montero owner who lives in Arizona. Yep. Um, we asked him for a quick 10 minute history of his automotive life. Um, we're going to ask for that again, Brian, but we're going to ask for like a five minute history. Okay. So let's I can start, do that. Let's, because st- that let's start it.
0: from scratch. <laughs> yeah. So let's All right. That was the dry run. and now, <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, good job, Brian. Let's take that from the top. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right.
2: I, I could do that. I could do that. And we are recording this time, correct? It's
1: definitely the counter is running. Yeah, and from now on, I'm going to look at the little red button to make sure Andrew pushed it. <sighs> hey, listen, 30, 37 episodes in, that's the first time you forgot to hit the record button.
2: Yeah, that's, I promise. That, that's never happened before. It's,
1: yeah, uh, it's been one of those weeks. That's <laughs> what they all say, Brian.
2: That's right. Okay, let's see. I do a five-minute history. Uh, let's see. Starting car-wise, uh, first car I had, 1988 Pontiac Grand Prix, the W body, and I will yes. refer to that as the WTF body, um, and that would be because I uh, got the impression that General Motors said, hey, it's good enough. Let's let the buyer find all the bugs in it and it was a complete disaster charging system never worked right brake system never worked right and i ended up selling it to the son of a small kansas town mayor um and i never saw it again
1: excellent excellent so, I, yes, I like I, I like used, the WTF body, but I'd call it the wanted the F body because the F body would have been the Camaro Firebird. Yeah. So somebody bought the, the bought that car brand new. They really wanted the Firebird, but they got the Grand Prix instead.
2: <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to have got that turbocharged version. Um, yeah, you, no, you, I you the, say I that. Model
1: you say that, but with all the problems the base model car had, can you imagine what the added complexity of a turbo would have done to that car?
2: True, true. I know the top of the line, my neighbor back in the day when I had one, uh, he had his in the dealership for, I think, two months because something was wrong. It was back one of those early computers that tells you, like, if the doors are open or there's a light burned out. They had some sort of really fancy onboard data system, and uh, when that thing died, apparently he said that they had to pull all of the wire harness out of the car for it. Um, and so I remember him saying that, be glad you don't have that because my car has been in the dealership for two months while they're trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I sold mine. And like I said, I sold it to a sucker. And, um, maybe that's the karma that followed me all these years. Maybe anyway, but now I that you've it. admitted
1: it, now that you've admitted it, the curse is broken. That's right. Yes. So that's now true. I that's
2: true. So yeah, I uh, walked into a Jeep Eagle dealership in Wichita, Kansas the weekend after Labor Day, 1996 with my mom. Uh, I was, uh, well, I don't know, I think just a year out of high school, and I was going to order a 97 Jeep TJ with a hard top, full doors, and whatever options I had to get to uh, get those to. And there was a white base model Eagle Talon on the showroom floor, base model being the non-turbo Chrysler 420A powered variant with hubcaps, manual windows, No radio and no package shelf over the stuff in the back. Uh, I drove that car off the lot with seven miles on the odometer, four of which were my test drive. And I finally sold that thing 14 years later with 214,000 miles on it. Never had any problems with it that weren't caused by me. Um, And I had – that's the car that basically taught me everything I know about working on cars. Built motor top to bottom – Race head, cams, valves, titanium bits, forged custom 10.5 to 1 pistons, balanced to 10K, had a mega squirt ready to go in, and then realized I had a, uh, I had an all-motor drag car that I had never put on a dyno, and I never drag raced, and I never really gave a shit about doing either of those things. So I decided to go full bore and go after rally, and that is when I bought my first Galant VR4. Uh, 195 of 2000 for anyone who's tracking badge numbers. Mm-hmm. That car has since been, uh, that car was totaled after I had it. Uh, somebody ran a red light and I T boned them and totaled the Gallant out, bought it back, fixed it, started to put a cage in it. And uh, our friends, Josh at, well, I guess our friend Josh at Adventure Driven Design, he and another buddy of mine, Keith, are in the process of finishing 195 to become a rally car. Oh, that's cool. Uh, oh, that's uh, that, the car, All Yeah. Right. It's, full, it's fully caged up on, a, up on a lift in the shop, fully caged. It's going to get all sorts of go-fast bits. Um, and then I bought a second Gallant VR4, which I bought a license plate for that was spares because it was going to be my spares kit. <laughs> I couldn't bear the thought of uh, stuffing such a sweet car and not having another one, so I bought another one. And then uh, somebody rear-ended me because he was texting and driving, and that one was totaled out, and I fought the insurance, and I kept that one. And then I finally sold that one. And the last I heard, it belongs to a soldier in South Carolina, and he has it caged, and he's in the process of getting ready to go rally race that. So oh, cool. So every Galant VR4 I touch, turns into a rally car.
0: Don't touch mine. Uh, after the, yeah, or, yeah. Or mine.
2: <laughs> yeah. After the Galantz, I bought an 89 uh, Dodge Raider, which was the most fun and any vehicle I ever had, even though it was the least comfortable, least powerful, slowest thing I ever owned. Uh, and then I sold that, and now I am uh, daily driving a 98 Gen 2.5 Montero, which is currently partially stripped down in my driveway getting valve cover gaskets.
1: It's Your, your automotive history is remarkably similar to Andrew's. Yes. Because you went Eagle Talon, Gallant VR4, uh, first-gen Montero Raider, second-and-a-half-jet Montero Raider. That's like you and Andrew are right in lockstep right there. Yeah, except for Very cool. just adding the Evos and the STI, and that's about it. Yeah, well, a couple of other things in there. But I'm just saying, as far as old shipbox Mitsubishis go, yep, you got you guys have the same, you know, which I'm halfway there. Because I went Talon, Starion, Galant VR4, first-gen Raider, or first-gen Raider Galant VR4. But I haven't mm-hmm. stepped up to a second-gen genera- uh, Montero yet. So. Nope.
2: But yeah, yeah you, you, know, you guys are very
1: similar there. All like the that. cool kids are doing it. Yeah, not me. Either.
2: And I think all the cool kids, I think if we all had the space and the time and the money, um, I think we would all have a wide body starion and a gallant VR four and a three thousand GT VR four, whether or not it's a spider or not, and a first gen Montero, and a second gen Montero. You know, it's like and maybe a maybe one of the nicer gallants
1: and, and some of us definitely wouldn't. an old school cult. Some some of us wouldn't have a wide bodied starian. Yeah. We have a narrow style. Oh, really? Yeah, that's. I, I prefer the narrow cars. Interesting. Yeah, I, I've, I've had, I've, I've had three or four, three or four wide bodies. You had three. They're all red. Uh, no, there's one beige one. Oh, yeah. Yes, I so forgot four, about that one. Yeah. So I've had a number of wide bodies, uh, and I currently have an '84, which is a flat side car, um, and I prefer it. The driving experience, to me, it's a more, um, it's a much lighter, more tossable car. But that's just me. Okay. Some people just look at the wide body and go, "It's just pure awesome looking," and I agree. But
0: driving for driving, I like the narrow guys more. So you were getting ready to go to MOD with that truck, uh but it's—is it going to make it, or you're not going to take that truck now?
2: It's—you know—it's—it's going to be—we're going to roll. It's—it's it's still up in the air. I don't know what's going on. That's a. Cylinder 3 misfire, it's not the plugs, it's not the wires, I've checked the coil, I haven't checked the transistor pack, um, I've replaced the valve cover gaskets, I've adjusted the TPS, I have no codes, and it's not a consistent misfire, just as like it happens at highway speed, it canceled a family camping trip last weekend, cruising up the highway, air conditioner below, an ice cold, full blast, 75, fully loaded. Cruise control on the hill, the road started to climb and brrr, it turned into a Subaru and I brought it home. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's just something stupid that didn't get bolted down tight. But yeah, tomorrow night, like tonight, I'm going to put it back together. Tomorrow night, I'm going to, uh, well tonight, hopefully I'll drive it and it won't come back. And then tomorrow night, we'll probably load it up and start driving to California. And if it doesn't work, we'll rent a car.
0: Yeah, this is Mitsubishi Owners Day in Los Angeles, or it's Cypress, actually. That's where the headquarters are. It,
2: it, yeah, it's it's all Los Angeles. I yeah. mean, unless you live in that area, it's all Los Angeles.
0: Los Angeles yeah. Valley. I don't know what S- you call Southern it. Southern
2: California. Yeah. L.A. area.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um yes. I'm I'm excited to see the pictures of that 100 year old Mitsubishi there. The the 1970s. That is going to be, be very a. cool. Yep. Yeah. I'm hoping that they uh, they did a good job with that because yep. we we discussed I think on the podcast before our trepidations
0: about the shop that was building it so and there's several there's a couple guys from canada coming down a bunch of other people from arizona heading over and we're talking about how how many four by fours mitsubishi four by fours are going to be there yeah
2: you know i think i saw that the last text i saw from the local group i think there might be not counting eight or nine there might be a dozen monteros there and I know there's going to be a uh, Delica Space Gear. Yep. That's the the more aerodynamic one. That's Phil's, I think Phil's brother or Phil's neighbor is yeah, bring that friend one. Yeah, friend of
1: Phil's driving down. Yep. So we know Phil's driving down yeah. with his Pajero Evo, which is an amazing vehicle.
0: Not legal yet in this country. Yep. But he gets nope. to live in Canada, so he gets the 15-year rule yeah, in Canada. Yeah, he gets the, the grace period there, 15 yep. years.
1: Oh, sorry. Or so, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really cold all the time, so we'll let that slide.
2: True. You know I heard a joke the other day that said, uh, "How do you get 100 loud how how do you get 100 rowdy Canadians to leave the bar?"
0: I don't know, how do you?
2: You say, "Will you please leave the bar?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very valid point. And all of my dealings with Canadians have been that way for sure, so we should always exactly. move to Canada and deal with the cold. Yeah. 15-year import laws. is it, is it Canada? Free healthcare, Canada go. <laughs> Canada.
2: And let's not forget the Timbits. The Tim Hortons
1: Oh, okay. I don't know much about Tim Hortons, but as New Englanders, oh. we're pretty stuck on Dunkin' Donuts out here. Yeah. Uh
2: have yeah, got Dunkin's, kid. Hey, we got Dunkin's out here. We've also got In-N-Out, and everybody who knows In-N-Out oh. knows what a double-double is. Yep, um, you too. And a double-double, maybe I will catch some shit for this, but you know, given the choice between a double-double at In-N-Out or a double-double at Tim Hortons, I'm going to get the Tim Hortons.
1: You and will catch shit from that from a lot of people. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a Tim Hortons, though, so yeah. I can't I can't make that comparison. Um, mm. But I do know that whenever I'm on the West Coast, my, my first stop from the airport pretty much every time is in and out. So
0: Yeah, it's maybe because <laughs> we can't get it here. We just like
1: it. Yeah, grass is always greener. Yeah. I think he said we that. get five right guys. Person, that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, five <laughs> we guys have is much not grass the same. Out here. Yeah. It's not, it's not the same. You're better yeah. off yeah. what you get. Yeah. yeah. I think so. But anyway, moving on. So that's a cool, quick little history of your automotive life, um, which is basically Andrew's automotive life, which is pretty yes. funny.
0: Um, what, uh, what's our topic tonight, Andrew? What are we talking to Brian about? Uh, well, it was more like, um, you know, we help each other fix our cars, but we wanted to talk more about how we help, uh, as car enthusiasts, how we help each other like improve their lives, you know either personally or job-wise. No, this is a serious discussion tonight. Yeah, a little serious, but it, it was pretty relevant to what was going on, uh, at least with my job search. And then, uh, concurrently, Brian was looking for a job, too, at the same time. Right. So. Um,
1: I think that this is a good point where we can bring up uh, Brian's uh, personal um, blog, I guess. Is it a blog? <laughs> what, what do you call it a blog? I what's, the, what's the vernacular we're using on this?
2: I think it's just a blog at this point. All right.
1: I, I don't want to shoot you down here and just call it the wrong thing. You know what I mean? No worries, it's all good. So, uh, w- what is your blog? Where can people find it, and what is the point of the blog?
2: Okay, so the blog is at worklifeparallel.com. dot com. Um, it's a play on a phrase that everybody knows at this point of work life balance, um, and. You know, I might almost say that this was all kind of inspired by the one and only Mark Bullet. Uh, if you guys know him in the DSM community,
1: mm, can't mm, say as I no, do. I'm sure I, I do. Pro- probably should, but
2: uh, Mark Bullet is a. Uh, that's all right, Mark Bullet. He's a good guy on Facebook. Uh, he has the fastest, most powerful all-motor two GNT ever. That dude was running like twelve five-to-one cams, custom ECU. Uh, I think he was running 12s all-motor, the 2G&T. He's old school. He, like, knows what he's doing and the head work and everything. Uh, just just a real all-around good guy with a lot of old-school history on cars. Um, but once upon a time, I was in a crappy job situation. I graduated college and immediately went after the money and got a job that I didn't like. And uh, I had said something I was bitching and moaning on Facebook about, life stinks or something like that, and Mark reminded me, like, hey, don't go chasing the money. Go chase what you love doing, and I started trying to do it, and it took me 10 years to figure it out, um, so that brings it back to the whole work-life parallel thing. If work-life balance, this is the way I see it. If work-life balance is separating, it's switching off when you leave work and going home and having that clean break to where what you do at work is not involved with what you do outside of work and vice versa to keep those distinctly separate. I think that's a bit of a rip off, uh, because if there's 24 hours in the day and I sleep for eight and most of us don't get eight hours of sleep, um, that leaves me with eight hours for work and eight hours for everything else. And I think the point is that everybody should get to is your work needs to, what you do for a living needs to align with what you like to do. Um, so for me, it started out, uh, I started looking into – I wanted to use my college degree and do something automotive-related, but I didn't want to work on cars, and I didn't want to sell cars. Um, So I ended up as a uh, management trainee at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which was basically washing cars, crappy base model fleet strippers out behind a a shack in Mesa in a suit in Phoenix in the summer.
1: That sounds Um, sounds like a good move.
2: (laughs) It was. It was a good move away. Um, Yeah. And then I started thinking about it, like, well, I like cars, but just because there's cars involved, that doesn't mean I have to have cars. So I left there and ended up working at a, a little do, a dot .com that no longer exists called Sport Compact Only. Um, Sport Compact Only was a cool place back in the day. The guy who founded it by the name of Roger, uh, he and another guy that worked there, actually sent people out to the big pavilions car show in Phoenix to ask me to come in to talk about DSMs because they'd seen what I was saying on forums and – Went in, turned out it was a job interview. I didn't really want it at the time, but um, I ended up going back there, and I had a lot of fun selling body kits and cold air intakes. Um, and then they, uh, that company kind of went under, and I decided, well, maybe the thing I really like is the social media the and the blogging and stuff like that. So I went to a, a small social network called IT Toolbox, and I t- developed a couple uh, technical communities there and didn't really like the way they went. Wow, oh, it's weird, I should remember my own job history better. Um but yeah, yeah long, story but, short, but, I well, mean, long
1: story short story short you didn't like it, so you moved on. So yeah,
0: you don't right. have to remember and it. Every, yeah.
2: And every time something else would come up, I'd I'd reevaluate where I wanted to be. And at first I just wanted to do something cars. And then I said, you know, like and, and, and to let you know, like about the time I started doing the car thing, I started Gearbox magazine in two thousand nine. And right after starting two thousand nine Gearbox, I went to Apollo Group, which is basically University of Phoenix, and I did Uh, I was on the team that built the employee manual and all the training materials for all their finance counselors. So when the finance counselors joined University of Phoenix Anywhere to coach people on their financial aid or GI Bill stuff, like all the training materials they used to do their job, my team was involved with building those and updating those. Um, And it kind of came from like, oh, I like working on I like playing with cars. I need to get something related to cars. Well, enterprise sucks. I'm not going to do that. Selling, you know, Parts for Harry, that's kind of cool, but, you know, after a while, how many, how many, what's, you know, like, how many times can you talk to somebody in a day where they say, what's the least expensive body kit you've got for a 1984 Chevy Citation? Right. And you just kind of want to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, you know, you, you get to the point where you're like, oh, I like this, but I don't really like just selling body kits and stuff. Like, I'd really be like to be more performance oriented or something. And then it's like, well, maybe I like the online thing. I'm really active on all these discussion forums. I'm a I'm a moderator on this one, on these one, on these ones, these one. Yeah. Um, I'm an admin on this one. I've started that one. I've got my own car magazine now. Like, this is kind of cool. I'm really more interested in this side. I, it, I think the phrase I used at the time was, I I really more enjoyed modifying car culture than modifying cars, Uh, because there's always somebody faster, there's always somebody with deeper pockets, um, and there's always something broken, so it's kind of like, it's more fun that, like, you can have a broke car, like, knowing myself, my current situation, if I can't get this truck to run, I'm still going to have an MOD, and I'm still going to have a good time, because I'm going to be riding shotgun in probably a Pajero Evolution, and I can hang out with a bunch of car guys and talk shop and commiserate, and it's going to be blast. Right.
0: So exactly,
1: you know. And, and actually, <laughs> a quick quick side note: I actually <laughs> broke a car before MOD East one year, and still went in a rental Corolla. Yes. So yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you.
2: Yeah, like I've been to the shootout. I don't know a dozen times since two thousand four, but I've never driven. You know, I've never raced there. I love the French fries and ice cream and drinking beer at the Best Western. But who doesn't? Um, So yeah, over the time, you know, like I I got to the point where I found myself in this weird situation where I was doing all the online social media stuff and I was talking to gearheads about cars and I was talking to publishers about magazines and, and writing books and stuff and other bloggers. And then I was also talking to a bunch of marketing people. Well, I started going to, uh, I started doing all that while I was working at University of Phoenix and I'm building training materials and internal social networks and then. End up going and becoming a marketing manager for a fitness equipment retailer because I had all the experience. Somebody took a shot on me and said, "Hey, this guy's got a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of diverse background." But I was able to tie it all together. Um, you know, I'm the guy that's had forum moderator and forum admin and stuff on his resume for the better part of the last decade, and it was great because I was able to speak to people when I'd go to interviews. Uh, I was able to speak to the the skills that you use in those roles to get jobs that were relevant to people that were interviewing me. And because it's something that you just do all the time, like, I'm not going to lie. There was a few times 15 years ago I got fired for, you know, getting online at work and, like, you need to get off those damn forums, stop using the Internet. Like, well, it's more inform- more interesting than insurance. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, So that's kind of where the work-life parallel thing comes into is, is that the idea that the stuff that you do outside of work, there's skills involved in it that you can apply to your professional life. And if you really care about it and you're really good at it, it's like if you've got 10 years experience troubleshooting complex mechanical machines, i.e. cars, uh, and you've got 10 years experience collaborating with remote teams all across the world, i.e. using forums and social media. If you can get shit done that way, and you've got all those stories and all those anecdotes about times you've solved problems and dealt with trouble and figured things out together with people. Like, that, those are skills that people, those are in high demand. And, you know, you can say, I didn't really have much experience with that on a job. But if you could say, well, yeah, I've worked here for two years and I worked here for two years, but the 15 years in the background of that, I was doing all this and this and this online and it's all relevant. Then all of a sudden you become like the top candidate and it can be very, very helpful. And it's actually helped me get the last three jobs I've had Four, that's, actually. That,
1: that's interesting because that's something I've never thought about as far as, you know, we spend all this time doing the things that we're passionate about and things that we love, um, As our, you know, our relaxation from the workday and not thinking about ever using that on a resume. That's an interesting, interesting point of, of contact. Um, I I can't imagine in some of the positions that I've held where it would have helped. But, you know, thinking back about it now, it's like maybe, maybe it would have helped me get another job somewhere else some other time. And, And that's not a bad, a bad thought. I like that actually a lot. I might have to update my yeah. resume. Yes, I had, exactly. a lot auto of off-topic on it <laughs> now.
2: Yeah, you should. You should. I updated and that's mine. And the yeah. thing too is, it's the trick is that you have to think about, like, it, you know what? Here's here's the metaphor that'll, that'll I think make it click a lot better. Like we all, we doesn't matter what you drive, doesn't matter what you do, car, truck, foreign, domestic. If you're on a forum somewhere, you we've all seen the newbie that comes in and says, "Hey, I just bought X." What do I need to do to it? What should I do to it? And you have all the people that jump in there like, oh, you need to rebuild it, forged internals, full standalone GT35RS. That's probably child's play these days. It's been a while. Yeah, I a
1: shit. yeah we're, we're all out um, of it. It's okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, so like people go in all these details and nobody asks them the most important question. What do you want to do with the car and how often do you use it that way? So like the, somebody that wants us like, hey, this is my daily driver while I'm going to school. And and then says, but I want 800 all-wheel horsepower, and I want to run nines. Like, okay, well, those two don't go very well together. Do you have $50,000 sitting in savings for incidentals that come up on a weekly basis? No. But so that's that first question. You have to look at – you know you almost have to treat your career like a project car. Like, what am I wanting to do with this? Like, you don't buy – well, some people do. but Like, you don't go out and buy, like, a 72 Colt because you want to run – you know, you want to go drag racing hardcore. Most people who are buying that these days are buying those because it's a neat car, it's a classic car, it's fun, and you can, you know, it's not. It's going to take a shit ton of money to make that into something super duper fast, or you know, you're you're going small block Chevy or something like that in it. But and you think Brad about you. why?
0: You,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I know there's a lot of people in like Puerto Rico and stuff like that but They have those old school Colts and Lancers and stuff. There's, and yeah, there's actually, there's
1: actually there's actually one over here. Uh, up in the New Hampshire area with a two J edit that runs like eights. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and back when I, in the Gearbox days, I interviewed a dude, uh, Anthony Apuzzo, I think is his name, Anthony Apuzzo Jr. And he does like race transmissions, and he has, I think he had one that think, does that, like wheelie, front wheels off the ground. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's like
1: a yellow seventy-two, right?
2: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's
1: the he's the New England
2: guy. Oh, Okay. So, cool. Cool. Yeah. That yeah, name sounds familiar. Um, but yeah that's that's the thing is is people don't look at that is is we're programmed to think that when you're at work you're at work and you do work stuff you think about your you think about everything outside of work after work when you go home that's when you can check your personal email that's when you can you know work on your car play these other things. but the stuff that you do outside of work when the two combine it's like you know there's like there was that that ten thousand hour rule and saying like well, oh, it takes ten thousand hours to ma- practice to yeah. master something yeah right like like if you're at work. Even if that, and I know that's kind of BS in some respects, but even then, if you look at it, it's like you could spend eight hours a day getting better at work and eight hours a day getting better at whatever it is you want to do for fun, be it play with cars, race, you know, you could be driving practice or engine building or whatever you want to do. And those two paths are separate and maybe equal. But if you do work-life parallel where you can find a way that, if the stuff that you're doing at work, if those skills that you're doing at work don't directly impact what you want to do for fun, then it turns into 16 hours a day, and you cut that time to mastery in half um, because now the stuff you do – like, like it's, it's one thing for me to go like the new job I'm going to be starting to do next week is customer success for a, a software-as-a-service startup that it's for publishing – So I'm basically going in, and I'm going to be helping people onboard and learn how to use software that I spent the last eight months learning how to use myself. And it's all related to publishing, and it's super easy for me and intuitive for me to understand it and figure it out because – I'm looking at it through the lens of well, I did my own magazine for six years back in the day, and I can totally see how this would work this is my editorial calendar, this is where my stories come from. this is where I'm going to find writers. these are the ideas that I can pull from you know you could see all the big pieces because now you know, like gearbox magazine that was six years of of basically blogging for most people because I never really made any money at it. Um, you know, I' lost a shit ton of money on that, but but the skills that I used that for, I was able to then spin that into what i did for work so then even if i was at work i may not have been working on gearbox but i would be working on writing and i'd be working on publishing and social media and marketing and email and all that stuff and those were skills that when i wasn't at work i would go home and then apply to what i was doing for the blog for the magazine so that's that's the whole idea of parallels aligning the two and you just have to kind of start by reflecting on what is it that I'm really good at, you know, for a car guy? Like do you really enjoy building the engine, or would you rather have somebody else build the engine and you'd rather do the research into the parts and find the best prices on the parts and pull things down? Because there's there's every skill you use as an enthusiast to build a project car, all the research skills and the hands on skills and the collaboration, every one of those skills, whatever it is you enjoy most, if you really think about it in terms of that business people understand or, or hiring decision makers understand, if you can put the one thing into the terms that the other understands, you speak two languages. Um, it, it, it's incredible how helpful it can be because then you get those questions like, tell me about a time when you had to deal with an angry customer, hmm. like you don't even sweat about it. Like, yeah. okay. So there was the time I made the joke on the forum to the one dude and I said, well, like, your mom does blah, blah, blah. And his mom turned out <laughs> to be dead and he was going to show up and beat me <laughs> up. And, you know, we had to defuse the whole situation, and everybody has a laugh, but you don't. You don't skip a beat. You just go right into it. It's like, ask me whatever question you want. I might talk about cars. I might talk about work. It's all the same.
1: You know what's what's funny though is that you know it's it's always been ingrained in me, and I don't know how common this is, but it was always ingrained in me growing up that the exact opposite, almost, of what you're saying was that everybody always told me, don't take go, don't, don't go into a career doing something that you like doing outside of work. Everybody told me to, you know, stay away from cars as your career. If you have cars as a passion and you love working on cars and being around cars, if you start working on cars as a career, you are going to loathe and hate cars. So that was something I've heard i heard that too. Yeah, that was something yeah. I had to deal with. And and I've even I, I've you know working in the car industry, I've met a lot of mechanics who say, oh, I I hate cars. They're the worst thing ever, and I don't want to do them anymore. But you know, I, I think that something that is kind of ingrained in a lot of people growing up and 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 learning. You know, skills and, and learning how to do different things, and you know, my father was in the in the automotive industry, um, and he wanted nothing in the automotive industry for me. He wanted me to be as far from it as possible. Um, <laughs> obviously, he failed miserably because um, that's that's all I've ever known and done. But I, I think that that attitude is is a lot more prevalent than what what you're saying now, and, and unfortunately, and and I've always kind of gone along with it, and. You know, it's kind of why I never went into being a professional mechanic or a professional body man or
0: any of those things because everybody told me not to. Mm. No, I agree with that. I heard that a lot, but then and i heard that too. Uh, you know, working in that sort of industry, maybe you, were, maybe we we're meeting people that aren't that just went into it for money. They just needed a job.
1: Well, and and um, I'm sure they are, and I'm sure anybody who became a mechanic must have had some interest in cars. And if it wasn't a true passion, by the time they finished working on, you know, brand new Corollas every day, they're like, I hate cars. Yeah. Whereas if you can do something, you know, we're, we're into old Mitsubishis. If we could find a way to work on old Mitsubishis every day and make money with it, pff, wonderful. Here we go. But I just – I just, it, it's it's hard to strike a balance between work and, and play and not – I've always had a hard time combining the two, basically what I'm saying. And, you know, Brian, what you're saying seems a little bit more – a little more obtuse about it, where it's not like you go to work all day working on cars and you go home all day working on cars. You're you're kind of combining things a little more fluidly, I guess, more the a, lo- a little more crossover than exactly the same.
0: Yeah, the skills that you're learning working on cars, being around cars, use them towards other things. Yes, yeah,
2: exactly.
1: So that's that's an interesting point, and it's 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 hard to bring that those two things separate because, like I said, I've always been. I've always thought work is work, home is home, and never never the two shall meet.
2: Right. You know, something that you just touched on when you talked about the people that work on cars professionally and just hate them after the fact, I think it's probably worth mentioning there are some people out there, and you, probably guys, you guys probably know a couple of them just like I do, and anyway, we all do. We all know somebody who's a professional mechanic. They, they work at Mitsubishi or they work at Toyota or wherever they work. They're, they're professional dealership mechanics. And they also, when they get off work after hours, they're turning wrenches. They're helping friends with to work on their cars. They're taking side jobs to work on cars, and they still, they still love playing with cars. And I think those kind of guys, those people who do that, I mean, that that's a truly a special kind of gear hit. And I always have the utmost respect for that kind of person.
0: Oh yeah, that definitely
2: exists. You know,
1: yeah, your father. <laughs> you know, yeah.
2: yeah. Like if you can go all day and work in a hot or cold, you know, shop and deal with the least common denominator—the lazy, unmaintained. I don't care. They just beat the crap out of it. There's really no, you know, don't figure it out. Just rip it out and replace it. Whatever it is, you know, if you could deal with all those headaches all day, every day, and then go home, eat dinner, and go out to the garage and work on your friend's car or work on your own car, that's a special kind of person. And that those people get a lot of respect from me.
1: Yeah, that's a true dedicated enthusiast. Obviously, at that point, but yeah, it, even those people though, unfortunately, if you work in the industry, I don't know if you've ever worked, you know, in dealership itself, but the problem is, is that you know, negative energy breeds negative energy, and yes. when, when you're in a shop like that, and you're in a situation like that. If ninety percent of the guys that are in there are like, "F cars, this sucks, I hate my life," then that guy who's passionate is going to lose some of that passion working there too. Uh, and uh, that's yeah. and that's kind of one of the reasons I've always, you know, I, I've tried to stay away from dealerships as employment. I know there's a lot of other reasons too, but that that's one of them because, you know, I'd go in there, you know, as a passionate gearhead, and you know, everybody just cr- craps on it all day long. And how could you like cars? And how could you waste this time? And what do you mean you want to bring a car into washing at lunchtime? Well, you want to like stop thinking about cars and eat lunch, like. Let's go out back and talk about the female customers out front. It's like, whoa, guys, come on! I just want to work on my car. Yeah. <laughs> Stop being a yeah. creep and let's do. You know, let, let me do my thing. But it was just—it's it's always been hard for me to to kind of like I don't care what other people think, but at the same time, that negative energy just—you can't get away from it sometimes.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's no nobody. You should have you, you shouldn't have that in your life. I mean, that's just.
1: But that, and that's, that's what I, that's just what I've dealt with in every single, you know, automotive employment place, be it a body shop, be it a. Uh, dealership, be it uh, parts somewhere. I mean, it's always been that, you know, hey, you like old cars? You're weird. Get the hell out of here.
2: Yeah, see, now now that you're changing, now you guys have auto off-topic, you know, grow this into the gigantic gearhead media empire. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, our heads aren't too big yet, Brian. Keep it going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we we, we have no delusions that this is going to make us a lot of money. Absolutely not, but we'd, we'd love it if it did, obviously, but you know, one one thing at a time. We still
0: have to work our day jobs. No, it's just fun to do it and to talk to people. And that again is a a skill. You know. Oh no, this definitely develops
1: communication skills beyond anything. Yeah. And that's why you know I just mentioned you know adding it to, you know, the resume. And you said you added it to your yeah, resume I I actually at Brian's speech. suggestion last week, which yeah. is what sparked this episode. Yeah. Was
0: you know your Facebook rant about jobs and finding work and whatnot. And um, you know, just like uh, you know, pu- this helps with public speaking. Yeah, 100%. All kinds of stuff. Yeah,
2: so, so you, speaking of the job thing, I did mention to a couple of people, I, I said that I wasn't going to share the details of my recent uh, job change story. I was going to share the story with you guys for, first before I actually blogged about it.
1: Hey, look at that. Uh, to,
2: to put this in perspective, this work-life parallel thing that I've been going after, like I said, it's going to be something car-related. No, it's going to be car sales performance-related. No, now it's going to be social media-related. No, I like the training and the online development. All the way up till now, I'm doing marketing and publishing based on Gearbox. So what happened was I went in for my 90-day review uh, in the middle of my eighth month, is eighth as in six, seven, eighth month, um, and came to find out that uh, I was being let go because my position was being terminated, and they were going to go 1099. They were going to contract out some of their content creation stuff. They would spent a number of months trying to figure out where they were going to put me, uh, and then they couldn't put me anywhere, so they had to let me go. That was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday. Um, I sent my, my goodbye email to everybody in the company, walked out the door. By the time I got home, the first person, which was, and these are people that I worked with at the company or were vendors or partners of the company, uh, before I got home, which was less than an hour's drive. Uh, the first person that I was planning on calling the next morning had already sent me an email and said, let me know what your hourly rate is and how many hours a week you want to do. Uh, I've got all the work that uh, – I'll give you all the work you need, and that would have been freelance blogging, writing stuff on the side. Like I hadn't even got home yet, and I basically had a job offer. Dinner that night, I'm sitting at dinner that night, and the CEO, who had just a few hours previously, told me he had to let me go because he didn't have a place for me anymore emails me a job link with a partner company and says, this seems like this would be right up your alley. Huh. If you're interested, let me know and I'll put in a referral direct to the CEO of the other company. And I looked at it and it was like, wow, that is exactly like, if you took all the jobs I've done in the last 10 years and you took the best parts of them and you made one job out of it, that would be it. And I said, absolutely. And it's late. as like eight o'clock that night. I'm watching two CEOs email back and forth talking about, A, how qualified I am for this job, B, how excited they are to talk to me because they know how well I've worked with their software for the last eight months. I had a phone interview two days later. I had a two-hour, like, group interview with, like, multiple people the following week. I'm in the interview. I'm meeting people at this interview on-site And everybody's like, Oh, I've heard so much about you. Oh, it's nice to finally meet you. People are taking pictures of people in the room interviewing me. Like the head developer is in the room with me and he turns his laptop around and showed me that somebody walked by and took a picture of us through the glass window and that Brian Driggs is in the building. Like people (laughs) knew me there. And it was like, I, I seriously, it it was like, I had that interview and then the following week, like, the CEO, he's like, I'm going on vacation. I won't be able to do the interview on Friday. Can you come in Thursday? So I went in Thursday and met with him. I went back Friday morning, and, like, Friday afternoon, I had a job offer. Like, Excellent. literally, I didn't have to look at all. Huh. Um, and, and the whole time I was at this place interviewing, like, every time I walked through the door, like, I think if Michael Jordan walked through the door, <laughs> he probably would have got a little bit more attention than I did. But, like, I felt like a celebrity, and all I did was just – Talk about how I like to blog and publish magazines and, and do social media and marketing and the work life parallel thing. And they're just like, yes, 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 yes. We were actually trying to figure out how we were going to steal you away all this time. So it's just, that's, that's, I've never had that happen before. Never, never in my life have I been let go. Like, sorry, we got to lay you off, but hey, let me talk to my CEO, buddy. I think you'd be a perfect fit for this job. You should go talk to him. Oh, yeah, we'd love to have him. Send him our way.
1: Oh, congratulations. Congratulations, congratulations for sure. That, that's that, that's awesome. Can you share with us where it is yet or not yet?
2: Uh, yeah, I am going. Well, I left uh, the company I had been working at is a, a marketing automation uh, agency in Scottsdale called LeadMD. Uh, that was probably one of the coolest places I've ever worked. Everybody there is like it's one of those places where you work and everybody really loves what they do and they're really good at it. Um, and the new place that I'm going to is called ClearVoice, uh, and ClearVoice is a startup. Software application for basically for publishers. Any any big business that's doing regular content marketing. So they're running snippers or podcast production stuff is in there. Um, it's a it's a pretty neat it's a pretty neat piece of software. And I will be uh, helping people. Basically, I will be helping people like me who care about the same sort of stuff I do. Do the stuff that we all want to do better and easier using the software that I already know how to use. Excellent. It's just, like, all the pieces came together. I was just like, wow. So, yeah.
1: So wh- I our so- next week, Wednesday. Excellent. What? Now, what is it publishing for? Is it for magazines, for online, for print, for...?
2: Predominantly these days it's online, but I could totally see it as for magazines. That's kind of the lens I originally took it to. So if you could picture, like, if you've got, like, a calendar, and you could put down on any day you're doing the on, like... Say you got a blog post that's scheduled for your business to run on Wednesday, like a week. So you can have it on, you can have it on your calendar for Wednesday and then you can go in and you can actually write the blog post in this system. You can put the pictures in it. You can put all the links in it, all the formatting in the blog post right in there. You can have conversations with people and chat with people and you can attach files to it for reference. You can attach links outside for reference. Everybody can collaborate, discuss it. There's versioning, and then when everything is finalized, and ready to go, it's automatic. It's already connected to your your website, WordPress or whatever. You can actually publish from there, and it goes out to your website. Excellent. You can do everything you need to do in there. And they've got you know they've got little icons and tags. So some people do blog posts, and sometimes there's white paper um, or research or or, or presentation document documentation. Or they'll do like if, sometimes we had podcasts. We would coordinate podcasts. Uh, when I was at lead v, we would coordinate all of our content there. so if I had a podcast that was going live, I would have to write up a little announcement blog post for it, get a couple links in it you you, you know who's a guest a little bit about them their bios, and I would build that right there in the site um, you just it's 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 not the sort of thing that I would say um, you know you or I would would use for ourselves you know as much as the work life parallel thing comes agree yeah, I would totally use it but I think it's, if I remember right, it starts at like four hundred dollars a month, a month, which is a bit out of reach for your average blog blogger. You got to be pretty serious about your content marketing stuff to do it. But it's just it's it's really exciting that it's it's big brands, it's it's talking to companies and helping people do stuff that I really care about. It's also opening and, doors
1: for the future if it's that kind yeah. of you know big money is going to be you know big companies and you know maybe some uh, well, lots lots of good connections for you there. It sounds like too.
2: Lots of connections and growth opportunities, and I'm just—it's just one of the things. Like, I'm excited because it's—it's it's, you get to that point where like, you get—that's that, the goal, really. It's the goal I think for anybody is like, wouldn't it be nice if you can get up in the morning, your alarm clock goes off, and you wake up, and your first thought is like, oh, I'm excited. You know, it's like it's like you know the feeling you get when you're you're off and you're getting ready to go to go on a uh, like you're gonna go to the you go to the, you're gonna go to the race on the car show. It's like you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm a little tired. Like, oh wait, I got cool stuff to do today, and you just jump out of bed and get dressed and get loaded to hop in the car, and then the car won't start, and then that kind of harshes the whole buzz. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: But you know, that that's the goal and I think for me that's the thing, it's like but like, yeah, the benefits are great, the pay's great and there's opportunities to grow and I'm gonna to talk to a lot of really cool people in in a very targeted niche industry that I'm very interested in. But at the end of the day I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna spend my days helping people do what I love doing, what they love doing. And it's the work the work itself is what's appealing to me. So I, I'm pretty lucky in that regard. But I have spent the last ten years my wife has been Vanessa has been very very patient and very very supportive in my career job hopping yes. adventures these last decades. that
1: seems to be a common thread amongst most car enthusiasts yes, is it does. a very a very patient wife sitting at home <laughs> while we do our ridiculous car stuff
2: you right
1: know, you know I, uh, my, my my wife drives a you know 20 year old car and doesn't say anything about it too often
0: so I can, uh, I, I, can, I can attest to that, that same fact. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that brings up the point of connections. And, you know, we've gotten certain places because of the people we know through automobiles, whether yeah, it be absolutely for automobile stuff or something totally unrelated, you know, something that they do professional, professionally. Um, you know, I always tell, or I've told Stephanie, uh, you know, this... She always wants to go to every event, and sometimes she can't. But when I am at an event, uh, I am networking with people, meeting people. Yeah, like, it's always just, pushing. And even not even just pushing my own stuff, just, just generally just making friends with people and car people. You just end up knowing, you know, it just kind of spirals. You know yeah.
1: Well, that, that's like I was just saying before we started recording that I just came from the the local, you know, Wednesday night cruising that we have here. And I was a little late getting to, to the podcast recording tonight because I was standing there talking to my father and some of his older, you know, car guy friends who don't really aren't really familiar with the whole podcasting, you know, internet stuff, and explaining to them what we're doing. And you know, we're going to have at least twelve new listeners because they're all psyched. You know, yeah. <laughs> we'll probably have new guests and new stories from you know back in the '60s coming up soon, hopefully. But so oh, that's going to be cool. Yeah, yeah, there's there's always there's always going to be connections and people and. You know, as, as part of, you know, I hate to say that we're the younger crowd because we're not the younger crowd anymore. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how old you are, Brian, but I think you're two or three years older than I am based on the story you just told.
2: Um, I turned 40 this past April. I'm the big 40. Okay, so you're four years older than I
1: am because I'm 36. You know, so I don't think that we're the young crowd anymore. But, you know, for a long time, we were the young crowd. And making those connections with the older crowd is how I've kept myself employed over the years because Mm -hmm. almost every job I've ever had has been at a car related place and been through, Hey, I, my buddy in the car industry has a job here or my friend's father's shop needs somebody to write appraisals or there's always been that connection going all the way back to the beginning. So Mm
2: -hmm. yeah. And you know, when you do talk to people like that, I think what I personally would be very interested in hearing from them is how they built those relationships. Like, you know, we have, you know, even our generation, you know, Generation X or whatever, with coming up with the internet. Like, it's crazy to think that, you know, like, I know more, I know more Mitsubishi, I know more Mitsubishi gallant owners in Germany than yeah. I know people <laughs> on my block where I live. That's, <laughs> you know?
1: That, that's a valid point. Yes.
2: Because Definitely, we had that technology, like how did they do it? I mean, they always got together. Like, where did they, they go to the street races, or did they go? To, did they do wrench fest days, or they all got together? Or
1: they- well, I think a big a big part of 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 that too is that you know the world was uh, a bigger place, and your social circles were a lot smaller. Obviously, that's why you had people in the United States would build you know hot rods and Camaros and fiberts and Corvettes and Mustangs because they didn't have access to the greater knowledge of everything.
0: And then you'd have car clubs though. Yeah, and you'd have so, local
1: car clubs yeah. that specialized in those Camaros and Firebirds and you know restoring 55, 6 and 7 Chevys and because it was a it was like a, a local hive mind of yeah. all of that stuff and you didn't have this whole, you know, worldwide web of of enthusiasts to meet.
0: I mean, that's why you get organizations like the BMW Car Club of America started because BMW owners needed a place to Meet other BMW meet owners. other BMW owners. Yeah. And then they had a newsletter, and that's all the pre-internet stuff. And yeah. That's how the SCCA was launched originally, was owners of British cars wanted to get together in the early days. They didn't right. know. People didn't know how to work on them. Because there would only be one guy with a British car on the block. Yeah, exactly. There would be a bunch of them together. So you wanted, to, you wanted to meet other people. You created these clubs, and then you wanted to compete, so you created races. And that's how that organization is like group, 60 years old now. So what it is, yeah. is now, yeah. So it all comes from that, I guess. Um, But then uh, I guess how this podcast started, well, this particular episode was spawned was because I kind of crowdsourced on Facebook. I was trying to figure out how to get better results from using like job search boards and LinkedIn and stuff like that because I wasn't getting a lot of uh, hits on my um, resume and stuff. And basically it was like you were kind of like, well, you got to treat it more like – If you're going to go on LinkedIn, you need to make connections with people. There are people on there that you know, know you, and know what you do, or what have done in the past, and you need to put all those skills on there. And it was like, oh, I get it now. I've been using it wrong. Right. You've been
1: using it basically as like a monster.com and sharing your resume. Yes. Not making the connections with people. Yes. So And we all know monster.com is not really the most useful place anymore. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And you know, to parallel that back over to old school forum jargon, use the search, noob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. what are you looking for? Find the job, find the company, find yeah. the people. Uh, I have a headhunter friend up in uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, and he gave me he, he gave me a piece of advice last fall when I was looking for a job, and it reminded me, and, and it stuck with me. He says, "He said, why should you wait for somebody else to do their job to get yours?" Um, Because you know, there's so many people out there. The technology is just so wild. Like, like there was even an article I read in the last couple months about a about a dude who built a bunch of bots and did automation, and he was applying for tens of thousands of jobs online, and the response rate was no better than if he had just applied for like dozens of jobs manually himself. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to the website, upload your resume, and then you upload the resume, and then you have to re enter all the information on the resume. Yeah,
1: it's super annoying. And you
2: do that so that a system can filter out and not even show you to somebody who's potentially hiring because you don't have that one, you know, fancy keyword that they were looking yeah, for. exactly. You know, somebody who works in HR who has no experience. Selling car parts, or logistics, or you know, human resource. You know, well, they have obviously human resources if they work in HR. But I mean, if somebody in HR who's filtering through resumes who has never worked in your industry has no experience in the role, and basically has like probably a like an outline, like an email with a couple bullet points that they're trying to base their decisions on, that's that's the first step. You know, that, that's what stands between you and the job. Whereas if you get out on LinkedIn, you say, hey, I want to work for. This Mitsubishi dealership in town because they got nope. a great reputation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My Mitsubishi dealership here, they don't have any Mitsubishis parked out on the front street. It's all used cars. They've got like a bunch of mirages out back.
1: Yeah. It sounds but, like
2: ours. But like, but yeah, you want to work for a company, you find a specific company you want to work for and you know what department or what, what, you know, aspect of the company you would work for. You look up that company on LinkedIn and you start browsing the people who work there and you find people who work in that department and maybe you connect with them. Maybe they're in groups and you find the groups that they're in, you you read the blog posts and the articles that they share on LinkedIn. You start to just like on a forum, you just kind of treat it like a forum. I'm interested in what these people have to say about this topic. And they'll see, because you get that little email from LinkedIn, if anybody who's on LinkedIn knows, you get that email says like, three people looked at your profile, you know, and you can go and see who they are and then mm-hmm. you go look at theirs. and You know, so they know that you looked and maybe they'll check you out because they're curious, but. That's where you start to make your inroads. Then you find them and you're, hey, you're in the you're in the same group on LinkedIn, you're talking about some topic, and they say something, they share an article, and you comment on the article, and they're like, Oh wow, well, this person who up until just now I had no idea even existed, has the same opinion I do about the same topic. And look at that, they've got a pretty relevant background. Boom, connection, you know.
1: Which is the way Facebook works and it's the way we know you.
0: Yep. Well, Well, it was was like forums, then Facebook, and then...
1: Well, it's funny because I I can think back to 2010, 2011, when I was first, you know, corresponding with you, Brian, because you wanted to do an article in one of my cars for Gearbox Magazine. Um, It never came to fruition, but I remember going back and forth with you for a while about, you know, what I have and, you know, my car histories and all that stuff, so... You know, I you know, here it is seven years later and we're sitting down well not sitting down with you, but sitting down with you talking talking on a podcast, totally different format of media, but you know, it's it's exactly the networking is there, you know? I probably could search and, those I could probably search those emails up and we could, you know, have a laugh about them now. But
2: <laughs> Are you sure are you sure you guys aren't gonna go to Norwalk next month? You sure you can't make it to Ohio? I mean, I don't know, from the Midwest to the East Coast. I mean, how long is that drive? For you guys, it's you know, not. It's a, there's DSMs there. You know somebody's <laughs> going to need to ride back to the East Coast. It's a dead DSM. It's going to be yeah. a dead Mitsubishi.
1: that needs to ride. Um, it's not. It's not the distance. It's not the. It's not the the anything else other than the fact that it's my daughter's birthday weekend.
0: And then it's only like a month before my wedding, so I don't. <laughs> what the timeline's going to be like at that point? Yeah, somebody needs to tell them to change the DSM shootout
1: because it always <laughs> falls on my daughter's birthday weekend. So. Maybe I can get away with it when she's in her mid 20s, but she'll be 14 this year, and she certainly, you know, would not ever forgive me if I went to a car show on her birthday weekend. Yeah. Eventually, right, we'll get there. Right. I get away with a lot. I do get away with a lot, but I'm not going to get away with going away from a 14 year old daughter's birthday. <laughs> 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 so, I'm sure you can understand your father yourself. So.
2: Oh, totally, totally, and, and I have the same reason. The same reason. As long as I have known uh, Kurt, I, I will butcher his last name: Genderon. Yes. All Mitsubishi yep. Cookout. All Mitsu Cookout. Yep. I would love to check out the Cookout, and he's that dude is a master man. He shows up on every Mitsubishi forum. You get the emails. He's on Facebook. He puts on an awesome event. I've never been because it's like. It's hard for me to say, like, well, I'm going to fly from Phoenix, I'm going to go to the Omitsu Cookout, and then, like, two weeks later, I'm going to fly all the way back out there and go yeah. to the shootout. Like, that's a whole lot of drinking beer in parking lots, and that's just...
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> one of these years, um, one of those events will be on a weekend where we can all make it out there, because um, Mr. Gendron invites me, like, personally every single oh, really? year. Um, and, you know, I, I really, really want to go, because the pictures from that event are pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and there's never any old Colts there. And I kind of, you know, I'd love to get out there with one of the Colts or the Sapporo or something different from what's always there. And, you know, I, I just, I haven't made it out there yet. And I, I wish the country was smaller sometimes. Sometimes I wish we lived in England and everything was really closed in one day's drive. Well,
0: eventually we'll get back to the the Prescott rally in Arizona at some point. That'd be a fun time. Oh yeah, I think the chances
1: of us being out in Arizona are better than the chances of us being in Ohio anytime soon. Yeah. Unfortunately. So although we do have Mm -hmm. other friends in Ohio too that, you know, have invited us out for different things and we even have a house we've been invited to stay at if we do go to the shootout. I know. You know, cost free pretty much. Just bring beer and have a good time. So we'll I don't know. We'll see what happens. One of these years it'll be the weekend before the twentieth weekend and
0: I'll be able to go we'll see so i I am starting a new job, so uh I don't want to take any more any time off, so that that's the other reason be Well eventually, yeah. I'll take some time eventually off. yeah, I don't want to though because it'll be literally just starting so yeah. well and it's a and it's a car enthusiast place, yes,
1: so maybe they'll be a little you know lenient towards you taking some time off for car enthusiast things, especially if you bring you know some advertising and promotional material <laughs> to these we'll particular see. events, <laughs> <laughs> so we won't talk too much about that job yet we'll wait for no. that to uh. Wait for the right time for there, but congratulations, Andrew, on that. Yes. Do you want to say anything about that yet, or have you gotta?
0: Well, I mean, we can kind of go in. You know, I had like two jobs ago. Was a job I really, really liked, and it combined a lot of my outside of work skills with cars, with work skills. So it was very parallel, I guess. Work life parallel. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I've so heard that I got to before. Yeah, I got to you know work on cars, write about cars. Um, I was always interested in. Uh, book publishing. And, you know, I went to school for, for English professional writing. So that was really cool. Um, it was a really neat job, but, uh, it just kind of dried up. So, uh, I went and I went to, a, I took a fallback position, which I had always worked at dealerships before that in parts departments and some other stuff around dealerships. And if you ever worked in a dealership, it's not the greatest place. Usually it depends on, I guess, the owner of the dealership who owns it, how it's run. But for the most part, they're typically not great because they just, it's always profits first, profits, 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 which, you know, I, I, I understand a business. You want to make money, but there's got to be, it goes a long way to give something to your employees. And like this year, uh, I worked on Memorial day for whatever reason they were open, which was very frustrating. They just thought that I, I had to work the Saturday. Then I had the Sunday off. Then we had to work Monday. So I was like, okay. They thought for some reason that Jiffy Lube was going to steal oil changes away from them or something. Yeah, your one-day Memorial Day mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah. So whatever. That's just the way dealerships are. That's just It's a retail job, basically.
1: Uh, oh, they're dollar first, employee second. Yeah. Um, or third.
0: And then it was just uh, the other thing, too. It's just very boring for me to just... I'm really good at parts department stuff, but that means it's just mentally boring for me. It's, it's not challenging challenge. at all just sit there bored most of the day. Cause whatever I can look up stuff really fast and then, you know, you get it for the technician and it's it, you know, other you're just moving parts around. And then the other thing too, it's like everybody, it's like everybody, you know, there's always something to argue about. Somebody wants to argue with you about something. And you're like, why? I don't want to argue with people. I just want to go to work and just get my job done. And be exactly. left- like, and then everybody wants you for a task uh, immediately. It didn't matter if you're doing before they showed up. Like uh, just because I'm sitting here behind the computer doesn't mean I'm not busy. You can't just like interrupt me. But whatever. Right. But regardless, it, uh, after being at dealerships for so many years, it's just kind of soured on it so yeah as we talked about earlier in the show yeah i was
1: like no dealerships are bad people that work there that it's that negative energy that yeah exactly just it brings you
0: down you can't you can't do it you need to be on your own somehow so regardless now i've got another job lined up that matches with a lot of skills that i have in marketing in writing in mechanic skills and it's uh even in the photography and and video work stuff that i've done Right. So it's it's pretty neat it, that it lines up that well. Yeah, we'll talk and, a little. Bit. And we met this person through car stuff that I ended up being the connection for the job. So right. it's pretty interesting. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no it's it's very cool and it, it's also good because it's it's going to bring you a lot of experience with you know video production and and putting these things together. Yeah, it's going kind to of
0: really that, further, that will further what, the, what I already it'll,
1: know. It will further what you already know yeah. and it'll further what, you know, we're doing here with Ottawa topic too because yeah. we talked about doing videos and all this different stuff and yeah. it will certainly help your your professional career will help your personal life and again to go back to Brian's thing, work life parallel.
0: Yeah, and it exactly it, it is you know, I didn't for a long time I didn't see the value in what I was doing playing with cars, so to speak. But now uh in the last like month or so, like I started to kind of realize it when I went to work for the publishing company. <clears throat> and then specifically when you commented on my Facebook post, it was like, oh, Yeah. Dummy like that. All the stuff you do outside of work that counts as skills. Like even though you're doing them for free, that counts as skills. All the, I always tell people, even when I'm doing photography at an event, like I'm at a rally, I'm shooting motorsports photography. I may not be getting paid. Maybe nobody buys these photos, but I have them all and I can show them to people that I know how to handle a camera and I can take pictures and it has helped me get other jobs. It definitely helped me get my last job because part of it was photography. So right,
2: that's awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so this has been a good life lesson episode. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm <laughs> glad you've been on Brian because uh, I'm I'm going to go home and and think about some some things in my personal life and, and my work life I should say because I'm not satisfied.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but this this doing this this podcast was started as twofold there was one to talk about cars and two yeah. as marketing for. Yeah. Uh, Vine. So right. Well yeah. that's
1: you know, I, I started, you know, I'm Brian, I'm sure you're familiar, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I, I started my own my own company. Um and you know, I'm not too proud to admit that it's been a hard start, um, because, you know, money. <laughs> so as are
0: most small companies. <laughs> it, yeah.
1: So it's it's you know, I've taken a job doing something else, you know, and it's taken unfortunately a lot of my time away from my marketing and whatnot with the vintage imports position and job and yeah, it's been some challenges in, in my life and, and keeping it all together and trying to make to make a career out of that um but this is going to be i'm, I'm going to go home and and i'm going to re-up my linkedin profile i think and uh <clears throat> i'm going to make some more connections because this is definitely a bit, a bit of an eye-opener i think yep
0: So,
2: uh, I'm I'm glad to hear it. And I would, I would just say for both of you guys, like, you know, obviously this isn't a marketing podcast, but if you've got questions or if there's something I can help you with, you know, I'm more than happy to connect with you guys offline and to chat about automation and and ways to make your life easier.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we need to talk too, because we've talked about doing some, some blog stuff and then auto off topic blog too. Have we not Andrew? I own the domain. Yeah. I need to set it up. We need to set that up and, and we could certainly talk to you, Brian, about some, you
0: know, some help there. I do want to sure. get some stickers before the end of the summer. You know, I was as thinking about that. I feel bad yeah, when I run into people and I don't have anything to give them.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that. I ran into a guy on the way here, actually. Yeah. It was a couple months later because I saw a guy pull into the gas station at the end of your street. Yeah. And he was driving a silver Civic like CX, like yeah. a notchback, like the same body style as your 2000SI. Yeah. Um, and I did a, second, I a quick second glance at it as I was sitting at the stoplight because it had steel wheels, but then I realized it was on slicks. And then I looked inside and I saw him crawling out around a cage. Ah. And it was a bone stock looking Civic from the street. So, and he got out and he was wearing a shirt and tie. <laughs> cool. And I walked, I, I, so I pulled into the gas station and I started talking to the guy. I was like, hey, you know, what do you do with this thing? This is the coolest sleeper I've seen around here in a while because it's a bone stock looking Civic. And he's like, well, I didn't build it as a sleeper. I just, I do, you know, HDPEs and track days and. Um, HPDEs and, yep. and track days and, and autocross and on all these events, he goes. And um, you know my daily car is broken, so I'm just driving it to work. So when I was talking to him for a couple minutes, and I was like, man, I wish I had a card or uh, a sticker for the podcast to give him because yeah. obviously he's local because he's at the gas station at the end of your street. And this would be a cool guy to have on and talk about his race guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
0: yeah, we're gonna work on we that. We do need some stickers. <laughs> so anyway, Brian, That
2: dude up at the next uh, HPDE guy. It's HPDE. High yeah. Yeah, yeah, event. Event. yeah, yeah, you should go check out the event. Look for the Silver Civic.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And I was driving my 78 Colt, so I was in a pretty obvious car. I'm sure I remember yes. it.
0: So, uh, Brian, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Uh, bearing with me, my uh, miscalculation with... Were we recording earlier? Yeah, twenty minutes of lost right. time. Sorry, the the lost archives of Brian Driggs will never come back. Unfortunately, That's, uh, hey, it was a good conversation that we had between the three of us. So. Yes, yes, those jokes will never be repeated. Unfortunately, <laughs> anyway, uh, do you want to? Is there anywhere people can follow you online?
2: Oh uh, well, I have I've got the worklifeparallel.com website. Uh, it's basically that. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I do the Instagram thing currently as the Life Aligned. Um and that's uh that's basically it these days. I I do some Twitter stuff, but that's all automated. I don't even nobody's nobody really uses Twitter anymore. It's all robots just the president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so ro- robot robots and illiterate people. I'm yeah. sorry. Just, <laughs> let's, not politi- let's not politicize the Yeah, podcast.
1: we won't we won't, we won't politicize the podcast, but I think we've made these comments before. I think everybody knows our opinion there, so yeah. we we we, we, don't, we don't delve into it. We just lightly graze over it's it. It's low-hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Anyway, uh Brad the podcast is, as always, brought to you by
1: Vintage Imports of New England. Uh, as we discussed a little earlier in the podcast, my business started about a year ago, uh, vintageimportsne.com, which actually is another thing that you know. Going quickly back to the topic, that website was helped and and been developed by a automotive friend, yep, uh, one of our closest friends now, yep, that we met through the internet, exactly and cars. So that's you know, he helped develop my website. well I shouldn't say he helped develop my website, he developed my website well, from scratch. We helped him so, fix his car and he helped you. Build exactly, your exactly. So, so and not only that, but my logo was designed by another automotive friend. That's right. So everything is kind of you know, kinda of goes hand yep, in hand. Car here. guy who's a graphic artist. Yep, everything goes hand in hand. So thank you, uh Jordan and Jim. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, vintageimportsne.com, Vintage Imports of New England on Facebook and on Instagram, and my personal Instagram of tsi_ss three five zero. Yes, not tissa three fifty. Not tsis three fifty. No, tsi_ss three five zero. I have to figure out how to change that without changing who my identity on on there. Like, how to change
0: it but keep it so people know it's me. Uh, you'd have to come up with another name. You yeah. can just change Instagram names really easily. No, I, I know it's easy to change the name. I'm just trying to think of how to change it, but keep my
1: identity. And I don't oh. know, It's all part of marketing.
0: You anyway, know? you can find uh, the podcast on Facebook, Auto Topic Podcast. You can follow it on Instagram, Auto Topic. You can email us at offtopic@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Questions, complaints, just to say hi if you want. Uh, what else? Um, you can follow me uh, on Instagram, raced in anger. Um, you can also search for us on Facebook if you like. Again, thank you to Beeline Coffee for sending us a couple of bags of coffee. We'll enjoy those over the next couple weeks.
1: Absolutely. And as we said before, their uh, social media is at Beeline Coffee. Yep. Uh, and their website is www.beelinecoffee.com. Yep. Um, and as always, their slogan is amazing. Yes. I'm a little jealous of it again. We're jealousy. I keep coming back to that tonight. Uh, drink coffee, build things, have fun. Yes. All right.
0: Well, keep your cars analog. we